ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೌಭುನಕ್ತು ಸಹವೀರ್ಯಂ ಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾ ವಿಷಾವಹೈ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ಶ್ರೀ ಗುರುಭ್ಯೋ ನಮಃ ಹರಿ ಸೊ ಗುಡ್ ಮಾರ್ನಿಂಗ್ ಗುಡ್ ಆಫ್ಟರ್ನೂನ್ ಗುಡ್ ಈವ್ನಿಂಗ್ ಅಂಡ್ ವೆಲ್ಕಮ್ ಟು ದಿಸ್ ಜಿಡಿ ಸೊ ಟುಡೇ ಐ ಆಮ್ ಗೋಯಿಂಗ್ ಟು ಸಮರೈಸ್ ವಾಟ್ ವಿ ಲರ್ನ್ಡ್ ಇನ್ ದ ಲಾಸ್ಟ್ ಜಿಡಿ ಅಂಡ್ Uh, i'm going to summarize it slightly dif- differently so, so so bear with me and for those especially for those who uh, who have voted no for the chanting you may not like it so i'm already <laughs> forewarning you so please bear with me so we discussed uh, 2021 and uh, 22 in the last uh, uh, last gd and uh, basically in the 20 goes like this najayate mriyate va kadachit nayam bhutva bhavita vanabhuyaha ಅಜೋ ನಿತ್ಯ ಶಾಶ್ವತೋಯಂ ಪುರಾಣ ನನ್ಯತೆ ಹನ್ಯಮಾನೇ ಶರೀರ ಫ್ರಮ್ ದಿಸ್ ಬುಕ್ ವಾಟ್ ಇಟ್ ಸೇಸ್ ಇಟ್ ಸೇಸ್ ದಟ್ ದ ಸೆಲ್ಫ್ ಇಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ಬಾರ್ನ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಇಟ್ ಡಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ಡೈ ಅಟ್ ಎನಿ ಟೈಮ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಇಟ್ ಡಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ಅಗೇನ್ ಕಮ್ ಇನ್ ಎಕ್ಸಿಸ್ಟೆನ್ಸ್ ಬೈ ಬೀಂಗ್ ಬಾರ್ನ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಇಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಬರ್ತ್ಲೆಸ್ ಕಾನ್ಸ್ಟೆಂಟ್ ಎಟರ್ನಲ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಏನ್ಷಿಯಂಟ್ ನಿತ್ಯ ಶಾಶ್ವತ ಪುರಾಣ ಓಕೆ ಇಟ್ ಇಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ಸ್ಲೇನ್ ದ ಬಾಡಿ ಇಸ್ ಸ್ಲೇನ್ and when we uh, and the next shloka goes saying veda vinashinam nityam yena majamavyayam khatam sa purusha partha kam ghatayati hantikam so then it asks a question the uh, krishna asks a question okay whom can that person who knows that self the self is imperishable constant birthless and immutable okay nitya veda vinash avinashinam nitya avinashi nitya okay avyayaha okay these are the words um, so who can a immutable who can be cost to be slain and how that's the question that it asks and then the last one which is where i think uh, uh, we had uh, the discussion start off this in the last gd is vasansi jirnani yatha vihaya navani grunhati naroparani tatha sharirani vihaya jirnan anyani sanyati navani dehi so that it says just as a person gives up worn out clothes and puts on other new ones even so does the embodied self give up decrepit bodies and enter into other new ones and then chitra you know you started off by uh, asking a question okay looks like there is uh, something else between the physical body and the soul atma that uh, never dies and that was a very interesting point and then we got into discussing about death although these three shlokas talked about you know the eternal uh, you know atman that never is born never dies we started completely talking about death in multiple aspects in in different types of the gd okay what happens at death what dies and there, there was there was curiosity to know you know uh, does it make sense for us to uh, go back and understand past lives and then there was this wonderful thing which ashish mentioned which i had missed saying that you know if one dies then the relationships that exist with the body and with the body and mind in that particular body they just go away and you know i was thinking of an analogy in the morning right it's like the facebook graph the moment you delete the facebook account all the graphs that that are there they are also deleted right so that's that's exactly how it happens and uh, uh then we also talked about uh, uh uh the the why don't we actually 
remember any of the previous births and there was a discussion about whether it is previous birth or births and then there was a beautiful discussion about you know karmas and balancing karmas and like a lalaji's company you know uh, but uh, you know but i think it's a perfectly balanced uh, karma uh, system we discussed that and uh, uh, we also discussed an important point which says that the, the past actually does not add a lot of value the the memory of the past is like a baggage and it's probably best not remembered from the previous uh, lives right and then there was this another discussion about uh, you know we cannot live in the past nor in the future but we can live only in the present and what does that mean does it mean that time is just a mental construct okay and this time different for different species different beings we discuss that that's part of it and uh, we seem to have uh, agreed that uh, uh, you know time seems to be a uh, 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 mental construct and subjective because you know when we are engrossed in a important important uh, uh, you know movie or any other event that we like then the time goes off too fast and when we are engaged in a meeting with a boss that who doesn't like you or you don't like the boss a 15 minute meeting can seem much longer we discussed that part of it so time seems to be subjective despite the fact that you know there is a calendar and everything time seems to be subjective and uh, uh and another thing was uh, so how do you become ageless and how do you believe in the present is when you go to a state of no mind i can hear some background noise if you don't mind please turn off your mics whoever is not speaking it's a uh, it's a lot of noise in the background yeah thank you okay uh then then the discussion started going in a di- direction saying that okay you know how do we actually talk to children explain to them these difficult concepts like death or to family members who may be uh, in 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 a difficult situation how do you uh, do that is it is it at all relevant to explain to them and then we had interesting perspectives people shared about how children perceive it much much more intuitively much much more um, uh, uh, rightly than what we think um, so so we we sort of seem to uh, agree that it's okay to talk about these quote unquote difficult topics to children and uh, also we also talked about the fact that you know we should not impose our ideas on them but to state what what we think is right for for them to learn it's okay to plant the seeds in the children okay they'll pick up what they what they will have to pick up then uh, 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 finally you know we also talked about yeah these these teachings all seem to be uh, uh, you know Uh, intellectual constructs but not necessarily giving emotional succor to many people um and there i think we discuss saying that okay for some people at some stages in their life it may not give uh, the emotional succor because we need to have uh, preparation and the preparation is like an insurance we discussed that part of it and then we also talked about the importance of organ donation and we uh, kind of you know left it uh, saying that hey if nothing is born nothing dies uh, you know first of all you are giving away something that is that is not yours and second thing is it's a different way of living an eternal life so you might as well just donate it away uh then uh, uh then then we went into a very discussion uh, on uh, interesting discussion on euthanasia and abortion and we were trying to figure out whether euthanasia was right abortion was right and all that stuff and then finally we we kind of you know came to a question when we we, we ran out of time where said when we die is it a happy event or a sad event so that's the whole quote unquote gory and exciting lively discussion about death that we had 
in the last GD. And I noticed one thing, okay, and I must tell you this, I've never noticed this. In the last, every time that I used to upload GD, it used to be, you know, within the day that I used to upload. But this particular GD, I uploaded on the podcast only one day before this, this before today. And there were 21 people who listened to it. Otherwise, the record is usually 21 people will listen to it in the whole course of one week. And I'm, I'm very eager to know what's happening here. So with that, you know, I'm going to uh, request anyone to kick off with your aha moments. I really don't have any aha moments this, this week. Good morning. So if I may, uh, for me, an aha moment about uh, more meta question, who wrote Bhagavad Gita? So I was reading this book. <laughs> there are three answers as I was able to see. So one is the very simple answer, uh, Krishna Dvaipayana, why Vyasa, Sage Vyasa wrote it. And then there is actually a slightly longer convoluted answer, um, which, which goes like this. It's like kind of Russian dolls. Um, I don't know, if may, many of you may already know, but for me it was, this whole sequence was uh, completely new. So the first part is uh, Krishna and Arjuna are having a conversation, but they did not write it. It is Sanjaya actually who is uh, narrating it to Dhritarashtra. But even they did not write it. It is Sage Vyasa who actually wrote that of Sanjaya talking to Dhritarashtra, of Krishna talking to Arjuna. But he also did not actually write it. It is actually Sage Vaishampayana who, who wrote it. He was one of the disciples of Sage Vyasa who heard his master narrate the whole Mahabharata. And then he goes to the court of Janamejiya who is the son of Parikshit, who is the son of Abhimanyu, who is the son of Arjuna. So Janamejiya is having a very big yajna, and Vaishampayana goes there and then says, hey, I learned this from my guru Vyasa and then he narrates Mahabharata to it. Vaishampayana also did not write it. Actually, in the court of Janamejiya, there is a sage called Ugrashravash. He hears it and then he goes on about narrating it. And Ugrashravash also did not write it. Actually, he then goes to yet another uh, group of priests who are doing this very big yajna. And then he tells them, hey, I heard this from Vaishampayana, heard it from Yasa, who heard it, blah, 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 and then goes to the level, full level deep, and then says, this is what I heard. So actually, the whole, the way the Mahabharata and Gita are written, it's actually said by an anonymous narrator who heard from Ogeshravas, who heard from Vaishampayana, who learned it from Yasa, who saw Sanjaya and Dhritarashtra talk, and they were talking about Krishna or Arjuna talking. So I thought I would share. Beautiful. And Krishna, what is the third one? Uh, th <laughs> oh, the third answer. Oh, <laughs> glad you, you, you caught me set up. The third answer is uh, Krishna Vasudeva. The Brahman in the form of Krishna wrote it. He is like a one who, who is empowering all of us. So in all forms, there is uh, the, the Lord himself writing. And then in another very funny way, uh, Vyasa is also called an avatar of Krishna, right? Like Vyasaya Vishnu Rupaya, Vyasa Rupaya Vishnave. So we have it in Vishnu Sasanama. And one more connection, actually, now that after he learned this, I noticed that in the Vishnu Sasanama, when it starts, there'll be this one line which says, Vaishampayana Uvacha, Shritva Dharmana Aseshyana Pavanani Sarvashaka Yudhishthira Shantanavam. So that is like Yudhishthira and Shantanava as Bhishma, Shantanus son. And then, uh, but there it just says Vaishampayana Uvacha. And then Vaishampayana is actually at that time uh, talking to Janamejiya and that is like the context. And then Yudhishthira asks, 
kimekam and like all the six questions which leads to the uh, shastranamam full full thing and then it ends with like onamali this is like actually the same krishna who is the same brahman i just described to you about so yeah that's the uh, third answer so two simple answers and one convoluted answer beautiful beautiful yeah and and just to take on take on what you said you know you used the word krishna vasudeva right so there was this beautiful vasudeva. take on vasudeva vasudeva <laughs> krishna vasudeva so there was this beautiful actually it's uh, uh, the way that i heard it is it's vasudeva so the way that the uh, the beautiful take on the word krishna vasudeva is vasudeva is formed by two different words vasu and uh, deva vasu means comes from the root word existence vas vas vasati vas that that's the root word i do not know sanskrit so i'm just kind of you know making it up okay deva comes from uh, the light divya divya means something something that shines so uh, i believe devaki is called as vasu because she's uh, uh, somewhere quote unquote uh, born from born from lakshmi somewhere uh, uh, the uh, uh, lakshmi goddess right and then deva is uh, vishnu Uh, the light and these two people come together and then krishna is born mm-hmm. and that is the uh, ananda that's ge- that's generated when you know that existence and bliss can come existence and light can come together to give ananda so that was a pretty interesting thing that i learned so you you are also right like so if we call krishna you can call him as vasudeva yeah. i was going by the first name last name basis so his father is vasudeva so yeah. krishna vasudeva yeah yeah actually in 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 uh, in uh, geeta when we later on get get to the this thing he says drishni naam vasudevasya and drishni naam vasudeva is vasudeva is actually krishna son of vasudeva uh, is vasudeva, vasudeva yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah all right okay so that that basically shows how the interplay of the words and sanskrit is so powerful language and guys like ajay and uh, vp and those who know sanskrit uh, you know would love it anyone uh, krishna question um why do they go out of the way it seems like they are going out of the way to not put the author's name i mean it's not the author's name is not there in any of the verses either right um same in upanishads and um why um i mean i can kind of see but is is that very clear as to why they don't want to uh, put it out there? not not that i can i can think of i think it's just like really long a complicated story that that just evolved out this way i couldn't see anything very curiously i was reading this in a book called biography of bhagavad gita so it's a biography of the book itself that where the author set this context and how the book evolved in various different forms and various different settings i'll write more about it in a follow up but uh, yeah interesting thanks no no <clears throat> okay i have a question from my daughter i'll read it out it's related to karma if that's okay unless uh, anyone else wants to okay where is the morality in karma we know that each life tries to make up the karma of a previous one but if in you sub- subconscious mind and state you don't know of the karma you have built up or created in your previous life 
how is it moral to have to make it up or suffer the consequences? That's what she has. And um, I'll, I'll put this in the group discussion as well. Of course, uh, I think my answers confused her, so she didn't get the right answer from me. So I'll, uh, I'll lay it out here. Similarly, how do you differ between karma and just having a bad situation? If a bad situation is taking place in one's life, why is that it's not due to karma? It is actually, but yeah. This needn't have to be answered now, but uh, I just wanted to let you know. Uh, 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 Lakshmi, the first question was about morality and karma, as in if how can you face the consequences if you don't remember what caused it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, interesting uh, line of thinking there. Um, Actually, uh, you know, I can I can probably take a take a shot at that and perhaps uh, you know lead the discussion. See, um, let's say that we go to uh, a feast, okay, and there are a lot of things on the, in the feast, and you end up eating multiple things, and maybe you know at the end of it you remember what all you ate or you probably don't even remember because somebody has just put the thing on your plate and you, you're eating everything. But the following day, if you, let's say if one has a, a stomach upset, a big time stomach upset, you know, it's, does it, does it make sense for us to go back and analyze which particular dish that we have eaten has caused the stomach upset for us? Or does it make sense to spend more time in figuring out how to get rid of the stomach upset? The point is, you know, the, what has happened in the past has happened. Okay. And we have, we have to bear the consequences of it and no point spending mental energies on something to say, Oh, why did I do this? Why did I do that? And I'm talking about a simple thing like eating food. Okay. Where you can possibly, you know, it's, uh, maybe we have the bandwidth to think about what we ate yesterday, which cost us this problem and do the course correction. That's okay. But when it comes to millions of births that is that we have possibly taken, at least in this group where we, quote unquote, agree with some doubt, okay, that yes, we may have taken births, millions and millions of births. Uh, you know, how does it make any, uh, any sense to even think about it? You know, why waste that mental energies onto something that that would probably going to give us knowledge that may not necessarily be corrective knowledge, but only, you know, reflective knowledge of what has happened? Yeah, you know, uh, in the same line, I think what, if I may uh, rephrase that question, and she's asking, why is it working the way it is, right? I mean, in a sense, um, if, if I don't remember it, how is it justified that I have to go through it? Right? So that, that seems to be the question. Um, to me, again, in the same line as what Rajesh is saying, it's like law of karma is like law of gravity, right? I mean, it is, it is the... Um, that's how it is. And we don't question why is gravity, why is it pulling towards the earth and not going away from the earth? We don't question that, right? It, that's how it is, right? That's, that's the natural way. And uh, law of karma in, in that sense is like that. So we cannot question why is it, why it is so. Um, but I think 
in in uh, in totality, it feels like it is a fair. It, it's a very fair system. Once you understand it, it it seems like a very fair system. But on the uh, at the outset, it doesn't seem like that because we do see people who have clearly not been. Um, uh, you know, not doing the right things or being uh, doing the wrong things. In fact, enjoying a lot of things in the world, in in the transactional world. So it seems like, hey, you know, this person has done X, Y, and Z, and, and these all these things which doesn't seem right, and and yet they are, you know, at this position or they have this kind of money or whatnot. We see that all around us. So it doesn't seem like we, um, it is just, but um, it is so once you understand it. Uh, at a at a deeper level, um, one way I, uh, I I used to think that way initially, and now I see that, hey, you know what? Maybe in their previous one of the previous births, they have accumulated enough punya to have you know to get this uh, uh, you know, free pass, if you will, in this. Um, even though they doesn't they, they don't seem to have uh, you know it, so it does not correlate it to everything that they have done immediately or even in the same birth, right? So that deeper understanding uh, comes in and then you, uh, you can justify that, right? You can understand it. So, that, um, so let me stop there and see if others, others uh, have any other thoughts. I'll add very quickly. I mean, I was about to say the same thing from uh, Swami Pramatmanandaji's uh, Tattva Bhota. So it's the same. Uh, to answer your uh, second question about the, like is it having like a bad day or bad action, the same thing as karma or not, uh, at least in the Sanatana Dharma thing, it's all due to due to karma. It's either uh, Sanchita karma, what, what happened in the past lives, or it could be Prarabdha karma, what you do now, and then or it could be Agami karma, what will come in the future. It's, uh, it's all happening due to one of these, these reasons as, as I understood it. That's all. And just to add to uh, what Krishna just said about Swami Paramananda's lectures, um, he also talks about the corollaries to the law of karma, which I found really interesting. And one of them is, um, you know, the present eye is responsible for the future eye. So if you believe that, you know, the past karmas are potentially causing you to have a bad day today, past if you fix what you're doing today, you are likely to have good days tomorrow. So I, I think that really, you know, makes sense, a lot of sense to me. Uh, Lakshmi, I just correct if I got the question right. So your daughter is asking uh, where, why should we, uh, why should something that is not uh, in my memory uh, be the cause of what I am going through now. Uh, so whatever little I've understood, and especially with these three uh, shlokas, um, I'm imagining the self to be neutral, right? And then the self has uh, some kind of a will where it goes, it has positive and negative. Uh, I would say energies. That could be actions, thoughts, anything, right? And now you need to come back to the neutral, right? So the positive and the negative both 
have to now come back to the neutral. And for them to come back to the neutral, they have to unwind themselves, right? So now if they have to unwind themselves, the only way they have to do is undo what has been done. So if you have a positive or something, then you, the only way to undo is by being happy or you know having a happy situation. And if you've done something negative is to undo with a negative like sadness and all. But I think in the bigger picture, it's more coming back to yourself. So if you can kind of step back and look at it, I mean, at a very big level, both these negative and positives are actually helping you to come back to where you originally started with. And so uh, I suppose then there is no uh, question of whether I know it or not. I don't need to know it, but it's helping me come back to myself. And one way of looking at it. Well said, Chitra. I think that that's very good. And I think, I think also, you know, uh, uh, these, it also depends on you know the interpretation of the word you know why do i have to suffer why me or who is me you know those things questions again these are all these are all the ones that are you know fundamentally becomes very relevant in the context of what we're discussing right because the, the very question uh, that lakshmi you you posed presupposes that you know your daughter already knows who she is okay your daughter uh, already knows is. what she's what's yeah. uh, what suffering is right but the question is we are actually questioning the very same fact isn't it that, you know, what we think as a fact is not the fact. Yeah. She listens. I think that she got, gets some uh, videos of TikToks and all that. And uh, she now understands these objects are energies and all that. She has gone to yesterday. She was showing. I was surprised. So, um, so she understands to some extent. And then we have these karma discussions that uh, through her friends and also me. So... Yeah, th these are good points, and I'll I'll uh, let her know. But I would like to hear from others also. Alpna has a hand raised as well, so, and also so Shamla. Yeah, yeah. Most of the points are covered, and you know everybody covered a very good angle to it. I think uh, the only thing I wanted to add was, say, a mango tree is there. Then morally, how are you okay to eat the mangoes from the tree you have not sown? And, you know, then it goes to everything, right? <laughs> if you haven't done it, that means the, the interdependence that we have, how do you explain that? So that was one point. And then the second point was, God forbid, you lose your life and you've done a lot of good things, but it has not given fruits now. So how, how will it, you know, the point that Kishore was saying, it's actually very fair. The world is very fair. The more you understand it, the more convinced you will be that anything you do will never go lost. You know, so then it makes you do do good things. Otherwise, you know, half of the people will not do good things in life, right? Because oh, why should I plant that mango tree if I'm not going to get the, the fruits of it in my lifetime, right? But they do. <laughs> so because I will do something here and the beauty of it is, it's not the same mango tree which will give me fruit. You will get the fruit from some other mango tree, right? In your next birth or whatever, you know? So it, it actually, it's even better way of uh, giving the results, not directly from where you put in the effort, but you will get similar output 
in a different situation from a different you know circumstances etc so i think that explains it otherwise a lot of things will be will be not and then it goes to the discussion we had why we don't remember and i think we all know which which one will you take then from the millionth birth because we would have done good and bad with the same person but it depends on which prarabdha was picked up whether you get the good result or the bad result from that relationship so so i think it makes sense to forget it No, it's a, such an apt one, right? Um, and I don't think anything else is required after what Alpana said. But the way I rationalized, a very simple way of looking at it is when something good happens. I don't want to question when something bad happens. Started to think when something good happens, do I deserve it? And who is the one who is making the decision, good or bad or a, I deserve or I have worked for it? It's all our rationalization. When things are going very well, we just like the mango, right? The mango is coming and sitting on the table, right, nice, juicy, and we, we deserve it, we enjoy it. But when we don't have it, we start to kind of question, why is it that I can't have? Why is it that the other person is having? Neither. So you start to look at even the things, good things that are happening to you. I started to feel, you know, more just, maybe when, when things are not happening on the other side, and I say more just, maybe there is a grander scheme, which is what I'm understanding through all of these discussions. So there, there is, it, it's fair and just, I guess. And I think, I think you know, this is a beautiful discussion. It's very important for us because, um, you know, and thanks Lakshmi to your daughter for triggering off this discussion, because at the end of the day, the question triggers to, in our, in our minds, uh, we can't reconcile when we can't reconcile the fact that, you know, good things are happening and bad things are going to happen, uh, are happening both are going to happen, okay? And it will happen today and it will happen in the future, like it has happened in the past. So basically, we have to accept that it is going to be there, right? That's the first thing. And second thing is, you know, it will start triggering into a discussion saying that, okay, if it is going to happen, you go back to the slokas that we read a couple of, uh, uh, couple of genies back, right? Okay, it's like, you know, the, these things are going to be, you know, the body sense contacts will have to come into the heat and cold, or, you know, uh, uh, Sukha, Dukha, and all those things are, uh, they are, they accept it is what Gita says, right? And when you start accepting it, that's when the mind is ready to prepare, it's uh, ready and prepared to start really understanding who you are. Till such time, you're going in one orbit and you're not at gotten, you know, you're not getting that enough escape velocity to go to the another orbit to really understand who you are. So, Basically, at the end of the day, you know, it's 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 wonderful that you know a, a young a young adult at that age is able to get that question. Okay, and all of us are struggling in the different orbits. And you know, uh, the younger that you get that question, the better it is. And it's so powerful to see that. If um, if Ajay has a question, I, I'll I have a comment. But Ajay, please go ahead after you. No, no, no. I I I had a I had a. Uh, comment as well. Uh, I mean, the way I sort of look at karma is that it is, you know, we're not dependent on anyone else. I mean, what I do today will determine my future and what I've done in the past is how it is manifesting today. And at some level, I don't sort of bother about thinking about you know, what, what, what did I do in the past? What were the good things which are making me sort of giving me Sukha today or what's giving me Dukha today? Because at some level, you know, you cannot change it, 
right? What you've done in the past, you've done. So you just need to deal with the consequences which will be, which are, which are kind of playing out today. Um, so to that extent, I, it's never bothered me to kind of, or I've never been intrigued about saying, okay, wh what did I do wrong that I'm sort of, you know, facing all the consequences today. And in terms of sort of what you do, I mean, the word karma and dharma are sort of linked because, I mean, it's very simple. I mean, you just follow dharma and that should give you the right sort of consequences in the future. But the most sort of big sort of thing about karma, at least a hard thing for me is, has been, you know, having sort of read a little bit is the fact that we're all sort of in control of our own destiny and we cannot blame anyone else. Whatever we're, whatever is happening to us is, is, is our doing. That, that, that's such an important point, Ajay, uh, the, the responsibility. Um, it, it is in a way, um, what do you say? When we, we blame situations, we blame others and so on. But then once this understanding comes in and you act, it is cause effect, right? It's finally, uh, it's a causation theory. And if you just keep walking back the effect, which is experience, which you're experiencing now, but what caused it, and then keep walking that all the way to its end, cause effect chain all the way, you will realize that it's actually, um, some decision that you may have taken that was probably 20, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, but then, or even, uh, why did that decision, why did you take that decision? There is a cause for that too, because your, your gunas were at that time in such um, a proportion that that decision seemed appropriate at that time, because that person who took the decision is not you today. You've completely changed your your mind, intellect, your body, everything is very, very different. I mean, from instant to instant for that matter. But even if you take it, look at it from many years ago, you will see that it, it was a different body, different mind that took the decision. So it's only you, right? Um, and there is nobody else to blame. Uh, so the responsibility kicks in, which is that I'm not going to blame anybody else for whatever it is that I am I'm going through. It's just me, right? That's one. The second thing, at some point, uh, uh, this is also very, very important, comes to this, uh, and we will be talking quite a bit about it in the coming uh, slokas, uh, is um, that of samatvam, right? Again, treating both good and what is apparently good, apparently bad, as the same, right? Which is, again, something we read in the, uh, I think, two or three slokas before, which is, can I treat both good and bad, apparently good and apparently bad, as the same? Um, and there is no difference because if you actually again see um, when people may have gone through their worst um, in their so-called worst in their life, they would look back at it and say, you know, without that experience, I wouldn't be what I am today, right? Often we can reach back in our own lives. We can also reach back. I mean, we have read about it. We've seen it. At that time, we don't see it. When you look back, you kind of connect the dots and say, it's because of those things that certain things happen because of which I am what I am today, right? So you start to connect the dots. I, uh, uh, one thing that stands out to me is uh, in, in this context is Steve Jobs' uh, commence, uh, commencement speech at Stanford where he talks about three things he learned his life. And, and anyway, I won't go into that, but he, he did say that getting fired from Apple at that time seemed like the worst thing ever to happen to anyone, to him. But when he looks back, he says that's the best thing that has ever happened to him. 
right? So uh, how do you then, then what is good, what is bad? The, the moment that drops off, that there is something good and there is something bad, uh, and there is no difference, um, then uh, you just, it, it just is, there is no is good or is bad. That, you know, is full stop is how actually uh, you start to see it, right? So in that sense, it's, it's a very deep subject uh, and we will discuss a lot. Um, and, uh, but once that is understood at an early, early age, I think it's very empowering to, uh, through the life, actually, I would say. Yeah. Kishore, well said, you know, whatever you said about responsibility, everything works perfectly well. Okay. Un until we talk about married couples, it's always the other person who's to be blamed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so <laughs> it doesn't work in married couples. <laughs> no, but jokes apart, you know, I think, I think, think about it. Okay. You know, uh, uh, I have heard this from uh, people who are, uh, you know, one generation uh, above us also, right? You know, they say the, the, the best and the worst decision is to get, get, into a, get into marriage, right? That's the best decision that happened. That's also the worst decision. What does it indicate? It just indicates that, yeah, you take a decision. The de every decision has consequences, good and bad together. It depends on how you view it, ultimately. Yeah. So the, that that brings me to an interesting, you know, uh, observation that I had uh, seen in in the shloka twenty four, when uh, when uh, when you know when when I was reading the uh, uh, explanation what Swami Chinmananda writes, right? He talks about uh, um, uh, not twenty four. I think it was twenty three. Okay, Nainam Chindanti Shastrani. So he talks about uh, uh, his observation is that you know anything which is uh, subtler than uh, other other element, you know, will not be affected by what's happening at the grosser element, right? So you know the it uh, talks about uh, you know the earth can't uh, the arrows can't uh, uh, kill the uh, soul, you know, it, it won't even you know uh, do anything to the air or or to the fire and but only to the the earth okay and i i kind of you know one thing which struck me there was that you know think about it this way half the time wouldn't our problems uh, come because we are assuming that we are this body the physical body the the touch body that we have right and the moment you shift your um, uh, shift your uh, identity from that body and say, I'm not the body, I'm the mind. Then suddenly what happens is certain restrictions, what we place on ourselves go away. For example, uh, just as, just physically not capable of being somewhere doesn't, you know, uh, that, that just goes away. You know, you can be in, in your thoughts in, in another place immediately, automatically. That's one thing that I found very, very powerful uh, learning that I would say. And the second thing is also the suffering at that particular level goes away. And we could see this, you know, whenever we are, whenever we go for an injection, right, you know, uh, or a jab, and these days, all of us are getting a jab done. And the moment you shift your attention saying from, from the body and say, okay, that's what it is, then uh, you no longer feel the pain as much as what it is. And, and again, you know, you, you can break it down in multiple ways. And then you say, okay, uh, even there are mental issues that all of us face, mental uh, challenges, trauma that we go through. But then at that point of time, if you shift your attention and say, I'm not the mind, but I am I am that thing which is never born, never dies. Then what happens is maybe this will actually attenuate down. 
in terms of the mental trauma that what we'd go through and i found this is a very very powerful mantra saying that okay the moment you there's a there's a there's a pain at a particular level shift your attention that's not escapism you're still dealing with it but you but you're going to the reality as to who you are remembering that reality basically moving your ego from the body to the mind and from the mind to the intellect yeah yeah and, and you said it right ego is uh, ego is not the uh, ahankar as what uh, you know we normally understand in the english word ego is that sense of identity where is my identity today right that is that is a that is a sense of ego is it that you know 80% body and 20% uh, my emotions or you know there was an interesting question that uh, you know i had on 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 the on the panel discussion on friday right they said that you know one person said that you know i am an empath and i did not know what a what this empath the word empath meant right so i looked it up on the on the this thing but the point was uh, uh, the, the question was that you know i am an empath and i find it difficult to uh, uh, deal with somebody else's mental problems when somebody comes to me and tells me that this is their problem i myself get involved into the whole thing right how do i help that person and how do i help myself now how do you answer this kind of a question right you know all of us are in that same situation right you know yeah we always uh, struggle with our intermingling of somebody's somebody else's emotion into ours and our emotion into somebody else's problems right and you want to give you want to be objective and help that particular solve that particular problem rather than you know you also commiserating with that person and say oh yeah yeah this is a wrong thing what that person did that doesn't work right so what are you doing effectively you're playing a role you're playing although you are also an empath at that point of time trying to solve trying to solve somebody else's problem what you're doing is you are shifting away from being that emotional person and you are trying to say okay let me think logically even i mean i'm 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 verbalizing all these things but this thing goes on you know so fast in our mind okay at that time you 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 are a better listener only when you start thinking logically and and reflect back that person's you know uh uh emotions and the trauma what they're going in a different light if you reflect back in the same light you're not solving that particular problem on the contrary you are going to get much more messed up yeah that's uh, that's very true and also i think uh, psychologists somehow are trained to do that they they hear on a day to day basis a lot of this right so um Yeah, I wonder how they are trained. Definition of shrink, to... right? They they yeah. they are paid to listen to us. <laughs> But somehow I don't know. And also in in our daily world too, right? If work, we need to separate work from life, right? Uh, family, right? So when you come home, uh, you don't bring the work. So yeah, that that is one way. It's similar. and also i alpna last time you had a interesting point how we can do that to rajesh's comment so if you want to creating a shell and listening to uh, others yeah so this was actually anupma's solution you know you you actually try to create a bubble around you so that it doesn't impact you and yet you it's a 
it's a one-way bubble so you listen to it and then uh, act very you know you respond as you know rajesh was saying look at it very objectively then you're able to do that other than you know rather than getting sucked into it and and getting spirally down together with the with the other person so i i had actually uh, what what when i read through it uh, uh, um i had a little bit of doubt myself which i gave some logical answer myself but you know maybe others have a thought that they say the the cause you cannot kill the cause right but the cause of water is fire but we use water to douse the fire so how does that work because you know what we what he's trying to say is the the cause cannot be destroyed but then i thought about it that there is so much fire in this universe you know and the water is very little so you know to to extinguish very little fire you need so much of water but if you take say the fire and the sun no amount of water will be you know enough to to kill that fire so that was my explanation but uh, you know uh, i thought you know i was just trying to 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 go through his logic of why it can't be but the fire can be killed by the air you know the air blows it away so that that i think it in that direction it works but how does the blanket or a uh, you know water that is used to extinguish fire it does work but yeah that was my you know, sort of doubt actually interesting i didn't think about it alpana lack of oxygen alpana lack of oxygen can also extinguish fire so that works right because the uh, fire, fire needs, actually, needs oxygen to burn you know that's fire right needs... but that's absolutely fine to do as per this logic because oxygen is air so air can definitely kill the the fire so we have we have lab fires you know what some small suppose we filtering something we have fire we just cover it it doesn't have any oxygen right. the, you know air stops and the fire extinguishes yeah and there are many other ways you put water in case of big fires right. you put co2 dry powder there are different ways i guess right. you can extinguish fire but uh, if you remove oxygen air from that particular spot of fire fire will go but i guess if you blow too much of air also maybe fire will go i don't i don't know about that uh, that we experienced it in california quite often called forest fires <laughs> uh alpana i i have a question back to you how does fire create water or how is fire the cause for water how it is done i don't know maybe <laughs> i think that's the i think that's where the thing is right because in the case of air and fire it's very clear for us right the uh, combination or what what part of air helps in the creation of fire right so the oxygen of the air helps the creation of fire but i think un- in maybe in the materialistic world or in the physical world we still haven't figured out what part of fire actually creates water and maybe if we know that or is it symbolic this whole thing fire water it's a question i don't have an answer i'm just throwing out questions here is it more rajas, even is that fire has more rajas and when you add more tamas to it 
actually from the form it begins to get that what is called as the liquidity so more tamas as it gets added but from so total amount of fire that is there one tenth of that is converted into water in the process so you know how exactly that happens i don't know but mm -hmm. the only explanation that's given in the scriptures is that more tamas is added to to fire which results in creation of first the water and then eventually earth earth or prithvi material um i think the logic that i got oh, was okay. so little, that much of water is not enough to you know, cover the cover the fire it's just one tenth of fire is is water yeah so the going back it's the same way for only one tenth of fire is water and obviously so the water be, cannot kill fire all the fire in fact will convert water into vapor and you know uh, the water <laughs> will go okay probably and then i think the related one was then why did he repeat everything in the 24th when he already said the same thing right that it can't be it can't be destroyed with shastra and cannot be you know burnt or the same thing then why does he repeat the same thing almost in the first line of the 24th shloka that it cannot be achedya is it cannot be broken it cannot be um burnt it cannot be wet it cannot be dried up right so i think the, one of the commentaries has the explanation that the first one gives based upon our understanding of that the sh is there have we not discovered a shastra which can destroy atma it's not like that it can never be destroyed so i think the second one just reemphasizes that point that it's not such fire like now we have come up with laser beams maybe there is some even more extreme form of fire which can maybe uh, burn the atma but that is also not possible so i think that the second shloka is just trying to reemphasize that it's not that currently what we know is uh, not enough to do it this not possible and that is why it then goes into the into the um into the that it is nitya sarvagat sthanu achal and then the other thing was why is both achal and sthanu used and that's where i think he gives the example that achal is it cannot move so even the you know uh, the the trees cannot move but they are still in their own place and they can wave so i think that's why both the terms are used that even staying at one place it cannot move so that's why both the words were used sthanu and achal those were the things that came out you know during these two slokas personally raised a hand actually a long time ago sorry <laughs> i saw it here you're on mute please unmute no i sorry that was for an old question discussion that krishna and rajesh were having about you know going uh, how to say taking your karma why why you should do you know good work so that it gets carried forward to the next life you know so that that's when i raised my hand so basically one i mean i don't know if you want to go back to the same point again or not but i i just wanted to like uh, bring up here was that i mean in the current life you are suppose you are suffering and you if you are suffering people around you are also to some extent are suffering have some impact of your suffering but if you you know 
so if you are suffering and if you do good work or whatever it is so that you don't suffer in the next life but those same set of puzzle people might not be there in the next life so how does it matter why should i worry for my future life that's what i'm trying to say why should i worry i should do good because good brings good okay uh, if you do bad probably bad will bring bad but why should i worry of doing good so that my future life will be good my future life is future only next life i might be lion goat whatever and then god knows when i'll be another human being who will by same set of uh, you know people around me will be there or not i mean why should i worry about the future i mean i should restrict my thoughts to the current life do good as much possible and that's it that's what i was trying to bring up at that point I think that's fair enough. Even if it's doing good for the current life, I think that's fine. But if yeah. you, even if you just think I want to be a better lion, even if I I'm born as a lion, that's also fine to think about, right? <laughs> even if I'm a lion, let me be a better lion or a better dog or a better. <laughs> what does what does a lion do? What does a lion do? Boss, ecological balance. Every every individual is required. Even a beast. Every lion. No, what I'm saying is, in terms of being a better lion and a bad lion, good lion and a bad lion. I mean, in terms of its action, you could be one and the same. Street dog, Sonali. So you can decide on that. I said you could be a pet dog or a street dog. So you'd rather be a pet. You know, we we more. you know we also but in terms of uh, finances we we don't just go month to month we also plan and save for uh, later right we, so it is in the same way if you if you can also think of it that way so actually sonali what you say makes a lot of sense to me because at the end of the day you know the the only entity there's a lot of noise somewhere please mute Sorry, your mic if you I, i should mute yeah. myself uh, there's a lot of background noise here yeah so the wundli uh, species that can that that has the ability to uh, not only uh, you know distinguish between good and bad but also capable of doing good and bad is a human being there's nobody else so effectively what it means is that uh, uh, from by the definition none of the other species for whatever work that they do okay killing for food is the only thing what they do okay it does not give them the concept of good and bad at all and which means that you know they the associated results of good and bad does not get to them whereas it's only for the human being who can know what is good and bad okay the very fact that we are discussing good and bad and the very fact that we are capable of doing good and bad we have a choice always okay at any situation to do good and bad then what happens is the papa and punya gets on to us only to people who have that ability to distinguish that means you know going back to that uh, uh, i think uh, uh, it was that rocket sing superstar movie you know and he says you know uh, no no maybe not rocket sing superstar it's, it's superman with great uh, uh, authority a great power comes great responsibility you know that's that's what i remember every day when i think about it okay i have the choice the choice to do good and bad why because that's the power what we have it's a responsibility that we have to achieve in our life so you know yeah it's it's good to be you know go back to be you know we don't even know whether we're going to be born as dog and if at all i want to pray that if at all you want to be a dog i want to be a dog in america that's great okay not in india so but you know that's uh, the karma does not apply to them the karma applies to us but then rajesh uh, 
you know, in terms of uh, non-humans, animals, so are you saying that they only use their prarabdha or their past karmas and they don't create new karmas? Yes, they don't. Yeah. Unless, it's a, unless it's a thinking dog, a rationalizing dog or an animal, which I have not figured it out if it is there. Because there are lots of stories uh, you hear about animals kind of doing good to man, for example, or, you know, whatever, I mean, you know, saving a life or whatever, right? You hear a lot of stories. So are we saying that none of that counts for them? My understanding, Ajay, is that um, uh, the karma we accumulate is based on intention, right? So uh, there is no intent. It's, it's working based on its instinct or its nature, right? There is no intent one way or the other. So even if it ends up helping someone, right? It's, it's doing what its nature is driving it to do, right? So in that sense, there is, yeah, the, the intent behind that action is not there. So, it, so, so are we saying then the animals don't have intellect to make a, a rational decision, if you will? Not in that sense, yeah. I mean, it has enough intellect uh, to survive. Right. Maybe it's uh, the prarabh that uh, cause it to do good things or bad things. Yeah, and and as I go back, go back to your one of your first, you know, initially when you and VP started the Sanskrit classes, I remember you posted one uh, one snippet from uh, from your Sanskrit class, which talks about the two KLM three in terms of the different animals. Okay. Yes. Uh, A fox for greed and all that stuff. You know, each of those animals have only one particular character. Okay, but unfortunately, the human being, we are all pot powery of everything. Okay, can you point out to one person who doesn't have all those things? I don't think we, you can do it, right? And it's we we have that ability, you know. In, in uh, twenty-four bar seven, we have the ability to bring out any one of them at any point of time at will, right? So uh, uh, tying back to the discussions of the shloka, what we are reading, right? So basically, what I'm saying is that that the point is when we are able to do that, that at, at that point of time we are we think that we are the doers because we think we are the doers. Okay. Then we have to reap the benefits of it or the consequences of whatever that we're doing. But the moment you, you step back and say, you know, I'm not the doer that I know I'm not the doer, but I have to do this at this point of time, you know, like the case of a doctor trying to chop off a hand, which is gangrene. Then you, you just don't, uh, uh, you don't get that, uh, you know, doctor doesn't get the benefit of saving a life or, uh, you know, uh, murdering on the operation theater because that's his job, what he's doing. Okay. And by the way, I, I must tell you this yesterday um, uh, in this concept of this doer thing, right? How many of you actually know this thing called, uh, people who, who know Telugu will know this, right? Avadhanam, how, how many of you know this thing called Ashtavadhanam, Shatavadhanam? Okay, let me just give you a little background if you, if you don't know this, right? So here's the thing. Uh, you might want to Google for it and see. So there are these beautiful uh, uh, people, you know, extremely intelligent and smart people who can take questions from simultaneously from eight people, okay? Or hundred people simultaneously, right? And they will be able to, and they'll remember the sequence in which the questions was asked. They'll remember what questions was asked then the questions can be as diverse from scriptures to mundane living to, you know, relationships. It could be anything, 
okay and these guys will have to answer them and they have to answer them in a poetic way and they have to answer them without mistakes that's called avadhanam okay and it's very popular in uh, andhra and this person the vishnu sahasranamam teacher who teaches us he is avadhani avadhani is a person who does this avadhanam right so yesterday uh, day before they had this avadhanam and uh, you know all of us we got into it and uh, some of us were asking him saying that they ask you so complex questions you know i was scared that you will not be able to answer that's what one of my you know students one of my co students was telling that uh, guru right that fellow said you know i was not uh, uh, i was not uh, uh, afraid that i will not answer then he said my co student you know this was the conversation when my co student said uh, you know i know you will not be afraid because you know everything but i was afraid for you he said no 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 i, I did not mean it that way when i go on to the stage and when i am an avadani i have already said that you know it is that divine knowledge that's going to flow to me it is not me who is doing it then when I, the moment i said that the moment i stated i have no i make no mistakes because it's not me who's doing it and that was such a powerful statement what he was making saying that he was just exhibiting the will and manifest of what he has been given the capability to do that's all he said and so even for that for him to do that that means he's really uh, not letting his mental intellect interfere in the flow of information yeah yeah and, right? and so he's attained that kind of mastery correct and correct i think that's what we are all trying to do here is attain that mastery so that the will could flow through us correct correct <laughs> because each one of us have a unique talent okay we may may not know what our talent is you know maybe the struggle could be there but the point is we have to accept that we are unique we have a unique talent and we there is someone if you if you let go saying that i am you know if i am a great uh, speaker i am a great writer or i am a great uh, you know administrator if you say i am doing it because of me the whole thing is working and all that then you know there could be problems if the problems happen then we will have to deal with the problems and we will have to think we are solving the problem and all that but then you just shift it then you say i am not doing it i am just an instrument like a pen okay some hand is holding i i post i sent that uh, thing to you some hand is holding me just doing making me write what it wants to write then what happens is you know then suddenly the fear oh if i do this will others approve of me if i do this will it come out well all those quote unquote you know mental vagaries will just go away later note just you know whatever you stated reminded me of uh, vishwanathan anand playing 50 other people but i don't think he thinks this way that you know divine is responsible <laughs> but yeah <laughs> good one sir <laughs> so i had this question on shloka 22 and again connects a little bit with the ego that we're just talking about and this also is talking about the changing of the own out clothes right it says the own out condition of the body is to be decided neither by its age nor by its biological condition nor can anybody other than its wearer the ego decided if we interpret ego as the body mind complex i don't think the decision is being made by the ego right it's the wearer you know how how is it that the decision is being made by the current personification no it's it's a bigger self that is that's making the decision right so is the word you ego there 
am i interpreting it correctly so the ego does not exist we think it exists individuality does not exist individuality is a myth no i i i agree which which is an association with the body mind so but then the, that's one of the parts that continues to be defined is that is what makes you associate yourself with the body now here in this context how should i read that if it's a myth how should i interpret the ego in exactly that same way the way that i have understood that is uh, i am wearing this body i when i say i i don't mean the atman that entity in me who knows that you know i'm wearing this body at this point of time i have this certain set of thoughts and all that stuff i know that there is this entity now i go through life as i go through life at some point of time i realize that you know maybe my uh, experiences are getting limited at this point of time i got nothing more to do in my life okay and then i'm no more better experiences or worse experiences that can make me uh, enjoy this life therefore at the point of time i decide when i say i at the point of time it's that uh, mind and intellect that 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 has that has come to that point of when i'm dying now and then i say now i need to drop this body and go find another body and at that point of time i drop it and it also says that you already decide what your next equipment is going to be i think it continues and says that yes i so is that is that as immediate you know in fact he says that when you're changing clothes doesn't mean that you're going to be naked and you already have the next set of clothes you know you already have decided on what your next you know experience going to be is that how it works is there a gap is there isn't you know i don't know what what what's the nuance there but do we already know when you drop this body what body we are going to get into uh, i uh, you know from whatever that i have read uh, you know maybe you know others can add it i don't know it i am not 100% sure but i think the last uh, desire what we have is apparently what we end up being in the next birth most of the time since we don't know what our last desire is going to be because we don't know when we are going to die we are, we are always expected to hold on to that desire of not being born again so yes we know what we want to be but we need to wait for the conditions for that desire to be able to be fulfilled so and that and the last desire is usually what's the strongest desire throughout your life that's why they say you know keep doing nam jap and also that you know god comes to your mind that's one way in the bhakti tradition or mumukshutvam in a gyan tradition that that you you have a particular desire that you know now itself otherwise any desire will come which is most dear to you at the time leaving this body and that is what gives you the next one the jar bharat story he was so so attached to a fawn that he became a fawn in the next life because he could only think about that fawn at the time of death who will take care how will it be like for it but you are only born when such the conditions are met so it may not be immediate it may be it may not be but 
and then we were discussing right the time is very relative right so we wouldn't know how much time has passed there it may it may be few seconds there and years here for that i don't know so you don't know so here i'd like to add one custom that you know we observe in bengal especially when somebody dies that after somebody dies the family member you know uh, especially if it's a spouse like and a lady or mother whoever father whoever dies so the child the child the son or the daughter they feed to the crows feed to the birds and i have heard this from many people that within 2 3 days you know there'll be a bird coming you know to you asking for food once you start that practice and that's the it must be totally myth it must be a myth but you know this uh, people just generally colloquially talk that you know that person has come back in the form of that bird to you know asking for food it might be uh, something very a myth or colloquial but i don't know i'm just stating it here this this a lot of people have observed this and have stated it uh, but will accrue uh, huh cry or whatever in front of that particular person saying that oh i am your favorite grandson i am your favorite uh, you know person you are leaving me and going and all that stuff because apparently that creates that likely to create that impression in that particular person's mind and then he will get attached to you you might as well want to let go of that particular person rather than you showing your emotions to him at that him or her at that point of time that's one thing he says the second thing he says is that i believe in indian tradition when people uh, when when people are quote unquote in that in that situation they get rid of all the pictures in the home okay uh, and apparently because it the it can it can trigger you know a desire in that person say oh that's my uh, kid or whatever right you know and then then it could it would probably you know the soul will start coming back so the whole philosophy seems to be in our in our indian system you know of course not just people's pictures even pictures of the favorite dogs and cats also should be removed because <laughs> you know you don't want to be born as a dog or a cat again in my future life you know so if you if the person is that's the the you know death is not a gory subject okay the point is you know the the, the there is tradition this process sanskars which are meant for us to get off that particular orbit right and that's so powerful i found it so powerful sakuba yeah Raj, yeah rajesh i would like to select you say you know death is not a gory subject maybe for the person who is dying that person is relieved from his suffering but i think most of the suffering is for the people who are left behind and who were associated with that person who were close to that person most of the suffering remains with them and that's why death is glorified to be not a or is said to be not a very pleasant thing but the person who has died has died and gone he he was jumping around died and gone you know but the person who is behind in this earth who were closely associated with him they feel their absence but uh, sonali it's the point about there is a void there is a void 
and their absence that is what is felt and whatever that role that person may be playing in their life so that void is felt by the person who's left behind and that's why death is not such a pleasant thing actually sonali just to add there our scriptures say it's not easy for the person who has gone we feel the person is gone but no it might not be might not be but i'm saying in general if a person is suffering if he is died he's you know free from that suffering but when the person sees people suffering here they suffer a lot and that's what most of our scriptures say when they see the person who has left because the subtle body is still there when they see a lot of people suffering here they suffer a lot as well and that's why all the traditions do not cry too much forgive them seek forgiveness ask them we are happy you can go so that they can move on so it's not we only know this side of the story but apparently there is a story on the other side too which which continues so it's sometimes it makes you conscious if it makes you conscious if you know about that also right that even the other side is not Definitely. I mean, they are attached as well. Definitely, Sakuba. that is there. That is there. That is there. They, they are very much attached to their uh, Baya. What we say, you know, with whatever is uh, holding them in this world, they are very much attached to that. Very much enjoying the life, or you know, whatever it is there. And suddenly, you are into suffering, and you know, you have to go away. So. all that is not good or pleasant so that's what i'm saying you cannot say that it's not a very gory subject it is gory to some extent i would say that's what i'm saying okay sakuba you raise your hand yeah i just have a follow up to you know something you stated uh, cuz this is also on death so since we have discussed so much about death in the last one so let me know if i want if you want me to take it up on the no no did did we discuss death death to death or not no <laughs> so the you, you you know you know you just said you know sometime back you know that uh, you know somebody uh, that particular uh, um, you know ego decides to um, go because you know it doesn't have any more good or bad experiences that uh, it thinks that it can have right i mean it has it has gone through everything but how do you explain um, somebody you know who's full of dreams and he he has you know uh, he, i know that he hasn't really run through all the experiences and you know he's in the midst of doing something and uh, gets killed by an accident and so on so how how does that happen i can i can understand this from a karma perspective but the ego deciding to go at that point of time doesn't uh, i don't believe that you know it would have decided that you know i i'm through with all my experiences actually because person is doing something i mean next day somebody's marriage is there and daughter's marriage is there and so on i mean and then they die how do you explain this i can take a shot at it because the, see, it's the mind which has the options which has which is thinking about it it's not the ego ego comes with a particular prarat so it knows when the prarat finishes that it is time to go but it's the mind and the intellect which is still continuing so that's why the different faculties they're not in sync you can say because that's why you will still have desires it's not that the desires are finishing desires are, the knowledge is not finishing sorry you went on mute okay 
no sorry yeah, so so he hasn't run through all his experiences but what you're saying is that you know he's he's not run i mean he has finished off from the ego perspective but from a mind perspective he still has uh, experience so what we are saying he's run through the experience because remember prarabd gets the body but in this body we create more agami karmas you you will never finish it but when the prarabd runs out which has gotten this body the ego has to leave because the work for this body is done not from our perspective from the mind perspective our duties will never finish it's only the prarabd which has finished not the not the duties not the responsibilities not our undertakings yeah so that's why you know i'm saying that you know if i if i uh, if i try to look at it from a karma perspective i completely understand that actually uh, but if i you know think from the explanation that uh, rajesh was trying to give you know in terms of that i have run through all my experiences and hence i decided to go um, yeah i you know that's where i have the confusion but uh, but still that also i can um, think from if i if i do the thinking from the mind perspective yeah i think still makes sense so sakuba you know see uh, you know i'll go back to what shamala was asking i think we uh, all this thing got triggered by shamala's question right see um, the way that i have understood like this like a physical body all of us were very clear what it is because we all all of us feel it now there are this other entities that come in okay which is the mind we call it broadly mind and in the mind you break it down into subsystems okay one part is this sensory part of your subsystem right which is clear not the ears and eyes but the ones behind that that's one part of it second part of it is your emotions is it clear anger jealousy love all that stuff that's the second bucket the third bucket is the ability to take decisions okay now if i logically break it down as three distinct buckets okay there is one more bucket which i can't put it in which says that if i take a decision and that has helped let's say 1000 people then the bucket that the fourth bucket which is there is that which says that was my decision i was the guy who did it right right now the point is what is that bucket that bucket is what is called as ahamkara because that bucket uses intellect to take a decision but that bucket doesn't exist actually it's like a mirror saying you know mirror dancing and saying okay i am that person who's in the mirror the mirror has that ability to dance but the it's dancing and all that stuff but it's just a mirror is that the reason why you know even in tatvabodha you know some uh, somewhere we talk about those 17 sheets and somewhere we talk about the 19 uh, yeah. you know so mano buddhi ahankara chittani na ahankara that is what it is that is that individuality today if you, if you ask it's very revealing you you talk to anybody and you 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 assume this role of a uh, psychologist right you ask him tell me who you are just by five sentences five sentences what they tell what they tell about themselves you can tell who that person is if you use this framework you know what drives them and that will make you a better sales guy I'm not very clear as to how that answers Sakuba's question, though. So I understand the four buckets, but 
I'm missing something, sorry. We should pause that because that's that's the one that we are all trying to get over, honestly. Okay. We are not, we are not in, in a whole quest of spiritual spirituality, the way that I have understood it is, it's not that you are negating your body, you're negating your mind, you're negating your emotions, negating intellect. No, you're negating that entity which claims that you are that, which claims that you did that, which claims that, you know, I was responsible for it. It's only because of me that happened. It is only because of me that happened, right? That entity, that illegitimate, illogical entity that we think that we are is what has to be broken. That is what is called ego. That's how the scriptures also keep presenting in multiple ways. There's one story that I read about Vishwamitra or somebody. I don't remember. Maybe Alpana, you corrected me once, but I don't remember that. You know, the guy wants to be called as Brahmarshi. Okay. And Vashishta never calls him Brahmarshi. And then, you know, he once at one point of time, he bends down or whatever. And because, you know, that, that person is known to have, you know, walked tall because he was always, you know, had that ego in him. But once he bends down at one, one place, then from, uh, he's called Brahmarshi at that point of time. Because so, symbolically representing saying that, you know, you bent down and you said, this is not who I am. So are you saying that the I, the fourth bucket, thinking that in this current life, my desires are done. So I have to move on. Am no, I missing I think, something? No, no, no. The last bucket, what he's saying is that smaller I, that our smaller eye is thinking we are the bigger eye. But okay. at, at, a, at a very materialistic way. Yeah, Unless but we really understand that the bigger eye is, is the actual Atman or Brahman. You know, if you go to that level, unless we realize that, we don't understand our smaller eye and we keep thinking that small eye is the bigger eye. I think that's what he's trying to say. Okay, and then that bigger eye is has decided that for this period of time I'm done. I have to move on. Is that what it is? So it is where I'm confused. So the bigger small there is mind, ego, intellect, and memory. This is what was very very clearly said, right? So and the ego I'm interpreting in the in, in the line as that ego, which Rajesh, as you said, is something that attaches you to this body and mind. So who is making, back to, uh, you know, Satya's question, is it, who, who is making, when, when your time runs out in, in, in the middle of a transaction, in the middle of a, you know, so, which appears to be a bigger scheme of things, right? In the middle of a marriage. I, I like the way you're reformulating your questions. <laughs> okay, I'll just add one more, one more thing. So that little I, when it came, it was told, this is how much time you have. So that association needs to end at some point in time when all that, all the prarabdha experiences are taken care of, not your desires. Your desires will never be fulfilled. So when your associated prarabdhas end, that I will detach itself from this body, if you understand it that way. You mean so that and a bit of Adami also, right? That's what we discussed in the Tattva Buddha. A bit, whatever fructifies in the current but Agami that, will only fructify till your prarabdha are consumed. Once your prarabdha are consumed, no agami can take you forward. <laughs> Once the prarabdha is consumed, you have to leave the body immediately. The moment it is done. 
So in the process, you can have a little more of agami coming through, yeah. but that is what primarily determines how much time that you have. Correct. No. But the prarab, the moment it is done. So the only thing I wanted to add about this eye is also it helps you distinguish. It attaches to this body, and it tells me I am not all of these, because in reality you are everything, and that's a very important point to note. That that I-ness associates with this body and says you are not this, 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 this. So that it it does two purpose, and the moment your prarabdh finishes, the I disassociates even from this body. It has already disassociated from rest everybody, and it will disassociate from this body at that point in time. The moment prarabdh is done, and then the udan will take you take you away. If that helps, explanation actually. I mean, if you keep thinking back from Prarab perspective, I think it makes sense. Definitely right. makes sense. Prarab is the one which decides this body. Uh, Rajesh, I just wanted to add one more thing before we close this uh, this CD, and that was on the twenty fifth shloka. I mean, so this is actually the shloka which is summarizing the question he started answering. That mera shok kaise khatam hoga? and he at the end says you should not grieve for these because it is there so it summarizes all the teaching so one part of teaching finishes here what is atma so from next time we'll move on to the next topic actually so i thought i'll just highlight that that was the importance of 25th shloka it summarizes that atma is you know it's avyakt and achintya against again these with two things interestingly he adds avikari because in the the prakriti in its primordial form is avyakta and achintya but it is not avikari so to differentiate between mool prakriti and atma he added the third thing it's also avikari and then just answered that now that's the difference between atma and rest of it so does that mean that it lives everywhere like atma is all pervading in everywhere yeah, that is that that actually he is explained very nicely if it is nitya it has to be sarvagat otherwise it cannot be nitya if it is sarvagat it has to be thanu if it is thanu it has to be achal and then it has to be sanatan which is you know the anadi the principle the sanatan dharma yeah second time uh, the use of the word tasmat the previous one was 18 rai say you go fight here tasmat don't grieve yeah yeah beautiful question yeah so um, you know um, i think we have to uh, take a pause now uh, 20 for the next week i think we will do the next three shlokas i would say uh, and trust me you know the, the the kind of discussions that we are having this is the most uh, important thing because we are reconstructing our conception about who we are as a person honestly that's what we are trying to do and there are going to be ambiguities and my request is please do not worry about the ambiguities okay uh, we have multiple lifetimes and this lifetime is just a little bit of that to understand those ambiguities so please do not worry about it and there's an a divine play that's happening for us to help it happen we make it happen in the right way it will happen it will happen so uh, if you don't get something or if you if you see that you know different people are giving different explanation it confuses you it's good news okay we otherwise we will not get confused means then we are already set in our own ideas okay which is ego okay all right okay so uh, again you know again going back to the closing shloka right the closing shloka says asatoma sadgamaya take me from untruth 
to the truth of who i am like tamasoma jyotirgamaya take me from ignorance to light i am ignorant at this point or take me to the light and then because of these two things i will go from death to immortality mrityorma mrutangamaya that's the meaning of that so with that we will uh, say the uh, closing shloka and then we'll do it om asatoma sat kamaya tamasoma jyotirgamaya mrutyorma mrutangamaya om shanti 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 he shri gurubhyo namaha hari om sarve jana sukhino bhavantu all right hari om everyone i hope we have progressed a little bit and uh, look forward to talking to you next week what what's for next week uh... the next three shlokas 26 uh, to 28 Uh, you want to do twenty six to twenty yeah, nine? I I did not look it up. Okay, twenty six to twenty so, nine. That is. So it says, um, uh, you know, in Parthasarthi's book, he says that twenty six to twenty nine is a layman's um, point of view on birth and death. So so far, it's mean about self, and the next three are together. Yeah, let's do twenty six to twenty nine. Okay, are you okay? Are you? Are you?